Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's up, you guys? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. I hope it's been a blessing and encouragement. God has been doing amazing things. I hope these episodes are getting out to people from England to Jamaica. To I'm getting comments from all over the world. Thank you. But today I'm excited. We've had a few women on the podcast there, my wife, a few other ladies, some of the wives. But today I get to jump into this with a good, good friend of mine, one that we just hung out with at a conference, a three-day, two-day leading into Sunday Clarity Conference. And so I'm a transplant to America, but she's a transplant to England. So this is going to be a messed up episode of crazy accents. So Sarah Yarley, how are you doing? Brian, I am so excited to be on this podcast, and I, I think I'm with you. My accent slips in and out of being American. Yours so, is so English. Yeah, it's crazy. We'll, we'll swap a few words over the course of our time in our conversation today. This is the most English I've heard you. You were preaching yesterday, and I was literally like, are you in a different part of England right now or no? Like, Why is it sounding so... I think it's just five and a half years there. Crazy. And it always comes out on unusual words. Like, I say Isaiah now. Yeah, Isaiah yeah, the prophet. It, it, Isaiah the prophet it's it, it works in england but it's a you little say weird here one peter or first peter i still go with the one peter now okay. because it, it it's just Two acquiring Timothy. things yeah. and i still cringe every time i say can i go toilet i just oh, no. I, I do it now but it's weird the yeah toilet, the loo the loo, the loo. <laughs> so as you guys can see we've known each other for well i came to faith in 2004 you pretty much were probably born a believer, the family you're born into, right? I, I really don't remember a time when okay. I didn't know and love Jesus. And I actually don't remember a time when I didn't know and love Brian Sumner oh, okay, either. Okay. It's Do been we that have long a great now. meeting story? I think that since I came to faith, I've just, and, and you know, Pastor Brian Broderson always says the same thing. I don't even remember when I met Brian. People go, how do you know Brian? We were just always around all the same people. And then I think, guys, we're going to unpack a load of amazing stuff, especially for you women. Sarah is just a champion for ministry and for the work God has done. She's mm. been involved in so many great ministries that you're going to be encouraged. And I, I'm hoping this episode, as we've even talked prior, will just encourage women. Yeah, absolutely. Not to, to rise up and be woman power, but yes, to be the women God has made you, as men should be, you men have made us. So I believe we met, because back to the point, we were... Uh, you were doing Creation Fest that's been going on in England for decades, and you just said, hey, obviously with your skating, your name has come up so many years, are you able to go back to England now? Did the visa come through? You're a citizen, so we connected, and since then, I've been over there a couple of times, but just Calvary Chapel, which is, you know, 10 minutes from here, obviously, yep. you've done so much ministry, so it's a, it's a no-brainer. And I, I think one of the things I remember about the first time we saw each other before the festival was yeah. that uh, I, I didn't know that you were a skater. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you as a preacher. I knew mm-hmm. that you were this radical lover of Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember living in the UK and, and really getting connected in with the skate community and then saying, oh, my friend Brian Sumner. And they're like, the Brian Sumner? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, are there more than one? And, you know, it's been the story of my life. I worked for a little while for Britt Merrick. And I That's didn't know right. that Al Merrick was a, shape, was a surfboard shaper. Very so. famous sa- uh, shaper. Fairly well known, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So so we just got what well, we got done with this conference. And it was you, me, Jonathan Laurie, obviously Joshua White, who was just on, Tim Chaddock, um, 
a Kate load Merrick. of different Kate Merrick and Bennett, of course, and yeah. a variety of other people. Um, that's primarily how we all end up connecting, you know, through the Calvary system. Yeah. But you today, then you are living in England. What part of England are you in? So I live in the the sunny southern coast of Cornwall. Okay. And if you haven't heard of it, just the two words, <laughs> corn and then wall together, Cornwall. Look it up. It is beautiful. <laughs> and you love it, right? You're, oh, I love it. What it, is with Calvary Chapel? Because Brian Broderson wants to be, I know his ancestry is English actually, Yeah. but he wants to be, he lived there for years. Tim Chaddock went over there. Calvary Chapel just loves England, huh? Well, there, there's this crazy connection where Brian was pastoring in London for a little while and mm-hmm. there was this group of surfers on the South Coast and he offered to disciple them. Now, I'm 50-50 on whether or yeah. not he just wanted to drive down to the coast and surf. Because Cornwall is beautiful. It, oh, goodness, yeah. it's gorgeous. Um, and at that time, he was driving to a place called Devon. Mm-hmm. But he literally did a four-hour each-way commute every single week to lead a Bible study for this group of surfers. And out of that came this real... Um, just opportunity to say, hey, there's people here who are hungry hmm. to know more about the truth than what they're seeing right now. Like Phil and the guys down there. Absolutely. The Christian surfers. Yep. So Creation Fest was just birthed as this one day. Um, wow. Do you remember LaRue? Do you remember the band LaRue? I think so. I'd sing them a little That's bit of their the song, but coming. it would be a gift but to I've nobody. Been, yeah, yeah. God would like it. That's what I always <laughs> say. He likes my voice, but that's about it. Yeah. So LaRue came out. They did this one day just beach outreach yeah. and it turned into this festival that's this, been 17 years running now so 17 so. years and it was yeah. so it's it's aimed in cornwall it's in wade bridge right you've got it yeah okay. that's that's where i live i literally wade over the bridge every Great. single day so, england is very literal I cornwall mean, wade bridge I, I would quote some of the other names of towns and cities but some of them are actually inappropriate to say on this they podcast are now. So, i know catch they're... a frenchie is my favorite <laughs> catch a frenchie yeah it's a, it's a real town not far from me that's it uh, so you're there i'm here um, you've been raised in this great family of just people that have faith. Obviously, my friend Danny Bradley worked for your dad. And everywhere I go, I was in Calvary all morning. Everyone I see seems to know me and know you. And I've kind of been deeply emerged in this. Yeah. But where are you? Let's start just where you are now. What is going on? You're living in England and what is your ministry focus? Who are you under the covering of? Yep. Calvary still, right? Yeah. So in in the UK, I lead Creation Fest, which is its own charity over there. Mm -hmm. still have some incredible deep family and other ties to Calvary, which has been a a huge part of my life background, place where I met Jesus and and forever family there. Um, Day to day, what that looks like is that we're an evangelistic focused ministry. So Mm -hmm. we just want to, in in the words of our mission statement, celebrate the good news of a God who loves us. Mm -hmm. And there's just people who don't know that there is a God who loves them and that message has been life-changing, as you know, for you and I. And we just believe that knowing that changes everything about our lives. So the reality is that my day-to-day can look like anything that fits under the banner of celebrating the good news of a God who loves us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's some crazy things that happen. Brian, I've, I've just been made the canon of Truro Cathedral. I was going to say that, the canon. Insane. I didn't even know there was a canon. What does that mean? It basically means I'm dynamite, Brian. So... <laughs> No, cheesy jokes, yeah, cheesy jokes. I heard that last night. I know, it's, it's, been, it's been done, it's been done. Um, it means the canons are actually in scripture, the yeah. rules that God has given us. And so the canons in real life, little c, yeah. are the, the people who so exemplify what it looks like when the rule of God is in our lives, yeah. that they've been invited to lead in ways that would be significant. And so I get to hold this title and role of mm-hmm. saying um, the way that God's called my life to be yeah. is a picture of what the life of the gospel looks like. Which is very evident. You have literally, I mean, 
overseeing creation first. Obviously, the covering of Calvary, many people you're around, um, it's been diligent for decades, and, and it's it's a powerful ministry. I mean, it's beneficial to so many. So they they affirm you in Churro, T R U R O, right? You got it. You are a canon to this area. Yep. And you did just finish. Did you go to theology school the last two years? Even though you'd been. To, a million schools prior to that as well? I'd had little bits and pieces from lots of places, but yeah. I'm just literally in July, we'll be finishing my mission, ministry, and theology degree. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I'll have an accredited Anglican degree, which wow. has been really beautiful to just engage with a different type of study yeah. and learn both what I love about it yeah. and some areas where I would say you I don't. hold a little bit of tension. So. Well, even with Josh and myself, the prior one, we were going to get an impact on all this theology. And for some people, it'll go over the heads. For some, we would love that. At certain times, it will. So so now you're going through this as canon. What does that mean for you? I think what it means for me is that I've been given this space to hold a little bit more of a public role than I would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And any of us who've walked with Jesus for any measure of time, we know that there is only one hero and it is definitely not us. Like our our, our whole life is pointing to Jesus Christ. But also there are times, aren't there, where God gives us a measure of influence. Mm -hmm. So you, for example, have this influence in the skating world that I will never have, never dream of having, and my athletic ability would never (laughs) dream of having for Sure. Even though you can do all things to Christ, you're saying that's probably not it, right? <laughs> that feels yeah. outside of the missional call of God and <laughs> yeah. outside of my skill set. Uh, but I do have opportunity and influence mm-hmm. in areas that are different from yours. Yeah, of course. And I think calling is such an interesting concept. We talked a little bit about yeah. this last night. Yep. Um, but there's just been these moments where I've recognized God's given me places of great gladness yeah. that meet with the world's great need and that I have an opportunity to have a voice yeah. for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ in yeah. places I never would have dreamed of. Yeah. And being a canon is to me one of those things. And I'll just say in the practical sense, if I'm over there in England, which I was for 15, 16 years of my life, and yeah. here comes Sarah. I mean, for one, how tall are you? I'm six feet without the heels, Brian, and That's, I usually am wearing some. I know. When you came in today, you're like towering <laughs> over my wife. But if I see you in public, like, here's this American lady. She's all about Jesus. Yep. I mean, you've been there, like you said, almost coming up six years soon. You're there placed and you're proclaiming the truth. You're planted with all these different churches, mini Bible studies, coffee shops. Do people still meet in pubs over there or no? We meet in pubs more often pubs than I'd like to there. admit for yeah, some yeah, of my yeah. American friends. Yeah, it, It's still a gathering it's place. Still. And guys, I know we all know the Bible says don't be drunk. It doesn't say you can't drink. You know, that's personal preference. Take it up with the Lord. But... English people typically, I've never done that, I, I haven't lived there to know, but people will meet in pubs, absolutely, coffee shops, all these old churches that kind of got sold on years ago yep. have now been repurchased, yep. and churches are getting planted, and the skate ministry, so there's so much amazing to just affirm the canon role, Um because obviously that's not a, a, a specific thing in scripture, but obviously it is a pastoral ministry. I would look at it like, in a sense, you're overseeing so many areas and I would say this just to those listening, Creation Fest is a 10-day event, right? Where how many thousand people show up in that 10 days? Yeah, so over the course of the week of the festival, we have 2,500 campers who come in. And, mm. and I love the stories of some of our campers. I mean, yeah. we, we last year had a couple of pagan witches who okay, asked if wow. they could come camp at Creation Fest. And wow. it's just been incredible to see people come yeah. because they're intrigued about what a spiritual life looks like. Mm-hmm. And so obviously we believe that that life is found in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But equally, people come at all sorts of places around yeah. that conversation. Yeah. 
Um, and then in addition to that, we kept the festival free to attend mm-hmm. because if you're going to invite someone to come to a Christian event, there's already a barrier there. Why if are they've they got to pay even a fiver to get in. To a band they've never heard. Exactly. To pay what they think is going to be expensive food. Yep. To hear guys like me who clearly aren't English anymore speak. <laughs> but you have had, I mean, you've had guys from Ravi Zacharias's ministry. Uh, was it John... Uh, John John Lennox. John Lennox I mean, came a couple of years every ago. Every kind of known kind of Christian speaker, band, delirious, all the rest. Yep. And you're bringing up these pagans or these witches, or you want to say druid. They're not saying that no one no one gets to minister like this, but people will drive down, come and hang out to see what it is. There's a skate park. There's rock climbing. There's all kind of things. But it's so deep in theology. There's a morning service. Absolutely. There's times a meal. There's constant preaching all around this giant campsite. I mean, for me, I'm planning on going this year with probably my daughter, yep. unless my wife hears this podcast and says no. Please come, um, Tracy. <laughs> I know we got to get her on a flight. And then probably Dakota and obviously his girlfriend, potentially fiance to be the next oh, few wow, years. Oh, wow. We're saying you know? this on so, podcast. Amazing. Hey, you know, I mean, God's, God, whatever God wills, you Amen. know, I mean, we love her. She's awesome. So. Whatever. Too. <laughs> so I know you guys have been saying, when are Dakota and Cameron coming yes. over? So Creation Fest is a big deal in itself. What do you do when you're not doing that? What's the... Yeah, so throughout the year, there's a whole host of different things we do. But one of the things that I think is really interesting and that you'll really resonate with, Brian, mm-hmm. is our faith is never best grown in isolation. Yeah. In fact, when we're in isolation, we tend to uh, have our doubts and our fears more amplified. Yeah. The, the simple analogy that I always see in my head is if you have one piece of paper in a book and you start to tear it, yeah. that, that piece of paper tears instantly. But if you take a whole book and put it together, it takes a very strong force to pair, tear that mm-hmm. book apart. In that same sense, um, one of the things we realized about the festival is that for so many of these teenagers who want to follow God, yeah. There's no community for them. Because they, they're in isolated they're cities in isolated around. isolated cities, towns, villages, yeah. hamlets. Yes. And quite literally no one, two, three other Christians their yeah. own age. And so we've created these monthly gatherings where we get together a group of teenagers. I'm laughing at you saying hamlets. Uh, hamlets. It's, it's a great word, isn't it? She's English hamlet. for right, Isaac. <laughs> hamlet. Because so, they're broken off by themselves. Maybe their little worship band or maybe their church, but they're not together. They're not growing in wider community. And so we've created these events that are called Glow. And the whole design of them is how can we get young people together, both to meet with God, but also quite practically to meet each other. Um, And we've got one very successful romance that's grown out of that so far. So that's that's a side note. Who's there? Well, Sam Dix and Megan Wishart. Sam Dix and Megan, if you're listening (laughs) to this podcast, you're welcome. Um, But separate from that, it's just been amazing. I mean, we would both believe this. Mm -hmm. There is no junior Holy Spirit and these young people to watch them step out in faith, step into their calling to, to be bold, to share the message that God has given them has been one of the greatest gifts of these past few years. Mm. So that's a huge thing we invest in throughout the year. And then we do prayer gatherings and worship tours and little bits of lots of things to celebrate the good news of a God who loves us. So you're basically, um, raised up through Calvary, Papa Chuck, Brian Broderson, your family, all these men and women that have sowed into you. And over these years, they really affirmed your gifting and calling, which the Bible says your gift will make room for you. Mm. And while there, you even went up to reality with Brit, or did you go with Tim Chaddock first? And, and I'm going to take that to 
how you arrive in England and just even the people listening in a moment, but yep. you were part of Calvary and then did you go serve under Brit first? Or? Calvary for 25 years. Wow. And then when I, when I felt just... But like you're only 21. Tug. How does that work? I know, yeah, I yeah. know. I've, thank you, Brian. All the English guys, when she gets home, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've aged me in reverse. Um, there was a, a period of time where I just realized I was getting burnt out. And I think probably listeners to this podcast mm. can relate. There's just times where you've kind of burned through all of the energy yeah. and emotion that you have. You've seen it all. You've, you've reached out the resources. Not that you don't love somewhere, but yep. it's a different season. Different season. And I went to Brit, who was the man who literally taught me grace. Mm. And I just said to him, can I come just serve you? Mm. And at that point in time, I was leading a ministry that had a $7 million turnover annually, 25 employees. And I said to Brit, can I be your PA maybe for a little while as a volunteer? And he laughed at me because he thought it was a joke. Um, who put you up to this? His yeah, wife, Kate. Yeah. yeah. And I went and met with him and said, no, it's not a joke. I, I think this would be a healing time for me. And even though it sounds bizarre to have gone from a paycheck to no paycheck and from a place where I had all my community to a new place, um, somehow in that season that was my burnout time, God just restored my soul. Hmm. And I feel that um, Brit personally and the Reality Churches were a huge part of me just seeing modeled this beautiful intimacy with Jesus mm -hmm. that God calls us to simply be with him. Yeah. And that soaked really deeply into my DNA and was a huge part of my spiritual story. Hmm. And, and for those who might be listening, what defined burnout? Where were you? Mm. Not with people, persons, but were you just like, okay, Lord, what's next? I've done the Southern California thing. I, I've got the, the Calvary DNA through and through. Yeah. It was just like, I'm ready. That yeah. was the extent of it. I think I, I'd reached that point where my work was never ending mm -hmm. and it felt like I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I think for different people, burnout will look different. It'll have different pictures, different experiences. It might be tied to your work. It might be tied to a home situation. It might just be tied to emotional trauma. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that burnout was mostly related to the fact that I really needed to have a redefinition of who I actually was. Mm -hmm. And somehow um, during that time that was away, there was this beautiful worship song that was quite new at that point that just said, awake my soul. Mm -hmm. And and I, I felt like that time of falling in love with Jesus again mm -hmm. was less like the lights came on and more just like waking up. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost as though I had been um, tossing and turning and trying so hard mm -hmm. to make life work. Okay. And, and I found that just in this moment of grace, um, it was like I woke up to the, to the good news that there was nothing I could do to earn God's favor, and yet that he loved me with all of his heart. With the, and that's... I mean, guys, we are going to get burned out. We are going to get tired. I know, Sarah, since you've landed, when, when did you get back to California? Got back on the 21st of December. And have you had a night's sleep since? Or you're just... <laughs> Brian and I have slept very well since. Really? <laughs> yeah, I have. All I heard you talk about is God's word and burritos and Mexican <laughs> food, right? Because there's none of that in England. Is there any good Mexican food in England? Gosh, I found one place in London. But other than that, I just say, in Jesus' name, if you if God calls you to England, recognize you'll have many many beautiful gifts and Mexican food won't be one of them. So you never look at the fish and chips and just picture a burrito and it's just nothing. Oh gosh, that's such a depressing picture, isn't it? A fish and chips to burrito. To burrito. I feel like I'd cry. I'd cry. Well, I, I'm saying this to go back to the burnout point, even because <laughs> since you literally got here yourself, I mean, Nikki, your sister, all these people, 
you're going nonstop from like nine to sometimes nine at night. I mean, today we're at missions at Calvary where they're highlighting people like myself who do full-time ministry. Yeah. Praise God for that. And then you're coming over here to do this podcast. And now who knows what you're doing tonight, but for people that are listening, they might be already getting burned out. And guys, this is just life. Like we're not going to get burned out. If Sarah felt this way, mm. she would have a pastor to confide in. And myself or the people around us who would say, hey, go get the whatever is necessary. People like myself too. I need to take that week, that month, that Sabbath. Those are normal parts of life. And but from this, is that where you partner? Do you want to speak into that at all? or just? Yeah, well, just, just one thing. I, I do think that as much as God's given me a high capacity and a high load to carry, that one of the most beautiful things he's spoken to me about this last year has been the discipline of rest. Mm -hmm. And I, I do believe that one of the constant things that we're battling for, particularly in the 21st century in the culture that we're in, is to, to quote our good friend, uh, John Mark Comer. Of course, his quoting book's in my room right our there. Our good friend, yeah. Dallas Willard. The ruthless elimination yeah. of hurry. Yeah. And I, I, I believe passionately, Jesus was always busy. Yeah. But he was never hurried. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think of that beautiful scripture, he did whatever it was that the Father was asking him to do. Mm -hmm. And from that book, there's this quote um, that margin is yeah. the space between our load and our limits. Yeah. And I think sometimes we look at someone else and we say, oh gosh, Brian Sumner can do all these things or Sarah Yardley can do all these can't. things. Yeah. And, and recognizing <laughs> that different limits have been placed on different individuals yeah. and different loads have been placed on them. Mm -hmm. But God's call for our lives is to create enough margin, like we spoke about last night, that mm -hmm. we really have space to listen to God. Yeah. You've got to be able to... And I challenge this. Even when I talked to Josh White, I said, the danger sometimes with people is we're going to have all these extra biblical ideas yep. and we're going to create our own almost mystical new age, different gospel. But the reality is, no, we, we need, and I said this yesterday when we were, you know, I was doing a panel with your brother. Yep. We were talking about business of all things for me, but it was really, is what is the call of God on my life? Yep. And the point is that there's exactly enough time in the day. Sarah Yardley is gifted in exactly enough areas. And you should be able to be a good steward and navigate that so you don't get burned out. And you've heard it said for years in the church and in business, but that plate with all the food on, if you're going to put something on, you're going to have to take something off. Yeah. So here's Isaac driving down, you know, today to the podcast. Praise God for this man and sacrifice. You know, Amen. you guys be praying. He brings his family. They're down at the beach. They're going to hang out. But if this was hey, we got to do one Tuesday and Thursday. I'm going to burn him out. That's not what we're going to do. Yeah. We've got to trust in God's timing that as we put these out, as you do a conference, as whatever we're doing. So guys, ministry is an absolute blessing. Um, use every time and redeem it. So into your story, I would try and weave this. Yeah. How do you end up with Tim Chaddock then? Is he a part of Reality Carpenteria or he's... So Tim and I have been friends for a long time. I, I actually famously crashed his wedding, which is just a, a fun... Does sound like a serial? Kind of I know, I know. I'm kind of sad, I have to say this publicly. Um, I was homeschooled with Tim's wife, Lindsay. Okay. And so, I mean, epitome of cool. We were the homeschool kids together. We went to homeschool prom together, um, which was just a, a, a real classic. But that moment. was back when homeschool was probably weird, right? Because <laughs> in England, was. whoever's homeschooled is like, what is this? Exactly. You live in a cage and you can't go outside where now it's like, everyone's homeschooled. Now There's all kinds of curriculum. It's cool. I yeah. missed the hip phase. Yeah. I was still in the, it's kind of weird phase. So I, I keep begging my wife, do a homeschool episode because so many moms doubt 
they struggle, have a couple of friends on and just talk and it'll yes. give people peace. So so you were homeschooled with Lindsay. Homeschooled with Lindsay. She yeah. and Tim met, crashed the wedding. Um, and we've just remained friends for the last, <laughs> gosh, I think it's probably close to 15, 20 years now. Wow. Um, and what's one, one of the beautiful things about my friendship with Tim, just to celebrate good kingdom friendships, mm-hmm. is that... Uh, he spoke this last weekend about how we can be wounded so easily by other Christians. And I wrote down as he said that, but my best friends are the ones who know my scars. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, yes, we can be wounded and hurt by people, but also I have friends like Tim who know just, not just my victories, not just my beautiful moments, but they, they genuinely know my scars as well. The defeats as well. Absolutely. And and I'll, I'll just say that Tim and Lindsay have been that kind of kingdom friendship to me where they've cheered me on. They've held up my hands. We live five hours apart from each other in England. Um, but he genuinely feels like a brother in the faith. So that's what I was going to say. That's like a brother and sister. And you need those people. You need people that not that you should go around cussing about stuff, getting mad about stuff, but there's a reason there's a book of lamentations. There's a st- yep. the story of Job and Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. There's a reason the Jews are weeping at the wall today. As Christians, we go through these, I mean, Kate Merrick's whole journey of sadly, but in glory, yep. losing her daughter, you know, of a sickness and an illness. Um, and that's, that, that. this is Christianity for us. You know, you need those people around you, the brother and sister. So, you crashed the wedding. It's not really crashing if you just know or your sister, basically. And then from there, is he planning? Did he plant Reality LA or was that? So there was a period of time where Tim was at Calvary Costa Mesa. Okay. We were there together. That was many years ago now. And then he was up at Carpinteria and planted Reality um, Los Angeles, okay. which has just been this place that God has brought such a hand of blessing yeah. to. We spent yesterday with Beckett Cook, who uh, met Tim at a coffee shop in Silver Lake and then met Jesus two days later on Sunday. Beckett Cook is gay. Oh, he is a Was gay man. Gay. And I mean, he, and I mean, you're not born gay. You're you're born into a sinful world. He was act, he acted out on it and everything. Right? He lived a gay lifestyle. And I would his book, A Change of Affection, will tell okay. the story far better than I could right now. Yeah. But I was with last night a, a mutual friend of ours, Stephen. Yeah. And he Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. Stephen Baldwin, who I've known for many years, and I came to faith, showed up at the conference. Yep. And I get told we're like doppelgangers at times, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is funny and energy kind wise. Of scary and the, our eyes and stuff. But then. He was actually under Pastor Tim at Reality, which I was yes. like, praise God for, because celebrities, sadly, get sucked in by these kind of controversial preachers who don't step on your toes. And to know that Stephen was sitting under Pastor Tim was like, you've got to go now meet Pastor Brian Broderson. I hope you know, Sarah. Go get connected tonight. So anyway, there's yeah, he, Tim doing Reality, Stephen. Yeah. And, and Stephen was just telling this beautiful story of Beckett coming up to the front to pray with his perfect chino sweater and his linen trousers and uh, when the residue of, of maybe yes. his homosexuality was still on him and it was and like, he just said I looked at this man and thought oh this man loves Jesus awesome. and awesome. Beckett's whole story is exactly that this man loves Jesus but the title gives away a spoiler alert he, he had a change of affection that's the title that's yeah the, that's the, the title and it, it's just one of the most beautiful well, you're gonna have to f- fill me in with him because I want to unpack those things on a podcast but you basically, must have him have him on a podcast well didn't he make fun of Tim sitting in a coffee shop yes. with all his theology books mocked him for sitting there reading the bible in a Mocking pile of him. theology books and then Pastor Tim <laughs> yes. says here's an open door 
begins to engage this man, they begin a relationship, friendship. Literally, Tim invites him to church. He comes to church two days later, and the power of the gospel totally <laughs> pierces his heart. Wow. And he has one of the most instantaneous wow. transformations of a heart that I've ever heard. Yeah, he looked like he was thriving yesterday. Oh, my goodness. And it's the first time I've seen him. You know, we're all doing this stuff together, but generally you meet people when you're there. Absolutely. And so did he end up, not to just hijack where we're going, but it's relevant. Who's yeah. listening? Did he say, I'm no longer this way, the Lord's done this work? I mean, did he, so, how did he translate that? Yeah. Beckett's story <laughs> is interesting because when he says he had a change of affection, it's a fairly one-step moment. He, yeah. he knew from that moment that God was calling his life to change completely. Mm. And he ended up completely changing his relationship with the man that he was with. And, and the book, again, <laughs> tells the story better than I will. But he had a radical transformation. A comparable book and another really good friend of mine, again, mm. we're, we're sidebarring, but it's a good one, I think. Yeah, we could talk about whatever. We can talk yeah. about whatever. His I name... mean, it's, it's kind of my podcast, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> Isaac, I'd say as well, because we're all, yeah, we're and, and it's, it's the Lord's, yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um, my friend David Bennett has written okay. a book called A War of Loves. I think and I've heard of that. Sometimes you just set two stories next to each other, don't mm-hmm. you? Because Beckett's story is so instantaneous and such a transformation, such a... Yeah. Saul on the road to Damascus moment, but we don't all always have those lightning flash moments where God gives us complete clarity for yeah. the rest of our lives. Yeah. So David's story, which is called A War of Loves, it literally has a tug of war on the cover. I could tell his idea because his is an instant change, but this guy's navigating yeah. through. And David meets the, the Holy Spirit in a gay club in a way that is absolutely astounding. Wow. But then his book tells the story over three years of this tug of war of loves. And the way that David tells that story, mm-hmm. I, I would recommend it to anyone who's just saying, to read anyway. I want to learn yeah. how to love Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, just a phenomenal contrasting but similar story of what happens okay. when we meet Jesus Christ and what that does for our sexuality, how that's defined. That's, cause that, well, that's, and if people say, Brian, where are you? I love what they were all saying on the panel. Um, even for Joshua White, you know, yeah. I think he's even checking in live when he's oh, in hey, the airport. Yeah. But his point is that the sad thing with Christians is we don't affirm what we say we believe. So you'll encounter a gay couple or lesbian couple and you'll like be lukewarm in what you're saying. And they look at you like, doesn't this person just want to be straight with me? Where he's like, no, this is what the Bible says, but I love you. You know, when his neighbor came over to Joshua's house yeah. and was like, so, oh, you're a preacher now? You're giving this guy counsel? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm gay. What do you think of that? Does, am I an abomination? And he's like, well, yeah, but so am I. And the guy's like, I don't even know how to respond to that. And they began a friendship. Yeah. If God's word is true, God's word is true. But anyway, that's the point. So then you end up going and serving alongside Tim. He plants reality. So we, we've we never had the great joy of being in the same okay, place okay, together. Wow. We've just been good friends for many years. So it was Brit, years. and then before... So so I worked with Brit, yeah. and then actually when I left Reality, I did a round-the-world trip. We went uh, for six months this. to 34 countries, uh, had just this phenomenal adventure. Yeah. And, and I had a couple of news flashes during that trip. The first one was, not everyone loves Jesus. Yes. I, I, was, I was a good Christian kid. I thought everyone I knew yeah, knew Jesus. Yeah, once you leave Costa Mesa, not everyone loves Jesus. Not everyone loves Jesus. Yeah. Second news flash, not everyone loves America. That, that was a big one for or me. Or Americans. Or Americans. Typically, English people were more like, you guys are... Um, proud and you speak very slow and you think everyone else is following you which is 
kind of true as far as the the speaking slow and the following. I don't think everyone's. I mean, we're born in the sin, so I guess we're all proud in that sense. So yeah, and and I think in so many ways I was oblivious. <laughs> I was oblivious mm. to how you're like, hi everyone, hi. Like, what's wrong with this America? Here I am in Eastern Europe, this this uh, area yeah. shrouded by doubts and questions and poverty, Nietzsche and, and I'm and just like, hi, hi, yeah. hi, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that was me. But and that was awake, and that trip woke you up to yeah, the rest of the world. The maybe, rest or? of the world, and and the third thing I realized is I didn't even have a vocabulary to speak to people who didn't have a Christian background, mm-hmm. and so those three things really came out of that journey. Mm. And a, a little side note that came out of that journey is my sister met her very handsome husband yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah. So okay. we just had fun adventures all over the place. So that was the whole. And then so Tim ends up going to England. So I actually went to England the year before he did. Yeah. I traveled the world, went back and, and worked at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, yeah. led missions teams for about 500 young people, yeah. got to see some tremendous things there. And then summer of 2014, um, just had this kind of cataclysmic series of events. Chuck had passed away, yeah. which was the end of this era at Calvary Chapel. Jesus moving to this guy, then preaching the word. Um, line by line, line by seven line, years through the verse. Bible, Bible school, ministries, churches planted. The man okay. who, who literally taught me to love God's word like it's part of my own heart. Mm-hmm. And we were in this huge season of transition. And, and I go over to England, summer of 2014, just thinking I'm going to go for the summer. I've got my little suitcase of yeah. summer clothing. Um, and Phil Petronas, who'd led that ministry for years, mm. we've been praying for his healing and just praying so expectantly that we never thought God would not answer with a yes. And we land, I land in England and wake up to the news that he's died. Mm-hmm. And I, I've used this phrase before. It just felt like a sucker punch to my soul. Mm-hmm. And, and there was in the midst of that, just that question of how could God not answer those prayers? When so faith? many people are praying for the right reasons. It wasn't for any other reason, but this man, we love him. It's yep. for ministry. It's going to be a blessing. It's okay. Father of four in his beautiful early wife. 50s, beautiful yeah. wife. God had literally given them their, their UK citizenship in March and he passes away in July. Mm. And just, we, we mm. went into this season of, of asking what is God doing and, and made plans to close down Creation Fest. That, that was the plan. It would be the last year. We'd have mm. a big memorial service. We'd do that final year and that would be the end of it. And uh, a week before the festival, I went to Plymouth for the day. And if you know anything about American history, you know that Plymouth is where those first pilgrims Plymouth set Rock. sail. Yeah. And, yeah. and this actually, this coming year is the 400 year anniversary. Wow. Or 500, 500 year. Yeah. Um, and I was reading in Isaiah 49 and it says, God's calling is on you to the coastlands from the body of your mother. He has named you by name. He's made his word in your mouth like a sharp sword. Mm. And he's called you to bring light to the nations and salvation to the ends of the earth. And I just wrote in my Bible, God, are you calling me to Cornwall mm. with a bunch of question marks? Yeah. One week later at the festival, someone came to pray over me. No. And they prayed that exact, fairly obscure scripture. God, that we thank obscure. you for Sarah. We thank you that her calling is to the coastlands, that from the body of her mother, you've named her by name. Yeah, who could even verbatim quote that verse? I, no one I know. I've never heard anyone quote it like that. It's, it's a phenomenal passage of scripture. And uh, it, it felt like the question marks in my Bible were going to change to exclamation points. But I went backstage, hmm. and Brian, who's my pastor, who you know well, yeah. Brian Broderson, turned to me and said, uh, oh, I turned to him and said, I think God's calling me to stay in England. And he walked away <laughs> because uh, 
I was a huge part of what God was doing at Costa Mesa, and it wasn't necessarily an easy thing for me to leave. But the next day, the next day, sometimes it takes a day or two. So he walked back? Yeah, he walked back. And he said, God, I, Sarah, I think God's calling you to stay in England, and we're going to provide all the financial support alongside Calvary Fort Lauderdale and a couple of other miraculous what? things that happened for you to wow. stay. And uh, then I called my mom and said, God, I said, Mom, I think God's calling me to stay in England. And she said, oh, don't worry. He's already told me. I said, Mom, I wish you had told me. That's not what a mom normally <laughs> says. I think my wife would be like, no, you need the Sony people to reach in Huntington Beach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I called every member of my family and they all said, and, and mm. there's 13 of us and we don't even agree on where to have lunch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, normally like a marriage anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> normally what they fight about the most. Finances and lunch. Finances yeah, yeah, and yeah, lunch. Yeah. Those two. That's, that's Get over life. it, you guys. Everyone out there. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say this about Phil. I never got to meet Phil. I got to meet his mm. wife. Amazing. But everyone I've ever met, from the skaters to, you know, I mean, the Judd Heels and the Tims and all the rest, they just loved him. Like, this guy was amazing. Yeah. So you felt called to England. How did you know it was Creation Fest? So because the calling was specifically around Phil's passing, it was mm-hmm. almost as though there's this moment where a mantle is passed over. Mm-hmm. And I was the unexpected choice because it was a surf and skate ministry. I neither surfed nor skated mm-hmm. and still surf very poorly. Okay. And You're skate trying though. Not, oh, I try so hard, Brian. I try so hard. But when Britt Merrick <laughs> has been your pastor, there must be some anointing that trickles over. You would think. You would think. Okay. He, I, I, he took me to Rincon last time I was home and brought me aboard to surf and I, I was too embarrassed to get in the water because well, it turns pretty out territorial I'm a big fish yeah I'm, I'm just still quite poor at it and we, we know what our gifts are don't we um, so that ministry, there were many things about it that were, I wouldn't have been the natural leader. Phil was this apostolic, slightly shotgun man. I'm a fairly organized, much more... But Moses was woman. really qualified, uh, Gideon... Mm. Um, even Paul, I mean, here I am going to kill Christians <laughs> about 10. <laughs> I think you were going there to kill Christians, but so did anyone present it to you or did you hear the Lord or? I mean, th- that was that whole story about Isaiah 49 that, that was, was quite clearly tied in. To creation fest. It was and it, it was that moment as well where I, I think we'd probably both resonate. If we'd understood all that we were saying yes to, mm-hmm. we might not have said yes because yeah. that first year was hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I experienced real loneliness. I was in a culture I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I was separated by a common language. I, I went from having this huge church community where yeah. I mean you know my world here it yeah. is full of people everyone you see at Calvary knows you your family anytime I mention most people I'm around they all know each other and as someone that came here I know living in a house with a bunch of skaters I know the people I see in the magazines that I now become part of their life yeah but there's something psychological to going to bed in a room where the same TV show isn't playing where what you're drinking before bed isn't the same drink where you're, there's not family there. Yep. So you experience, even with the Lord, you can experience loneliness with people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, one of the real defining quotes for me that year, um, there's a preacher named Sam Wells, and he mm-hmm. said, Jesus calls his disciples to the other side. Mm-hmm. He calls them away from the places of security and family. He calls them away from the places where they are known mm-hmm. into the place where they're only known as followers of him. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the calling on my life, which is actually in many ways the calling of every follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. is to say that I'm willing to put you, Jesus Christ, above all other things. That's the cross. And I would have said that 
but that caused me to live it when yeah, I moved yeah, to yeah. England. It's very different. It's very different. To say, of course I go to England, because I always joke, Lord, if you called me to Liverpool, you would probably better raise the dead in front of my <laughs> wife for her to be like, we're going, you know, because I love Liverpool, but I'm like, I didn't know Spurgeon was growing up, J.C. Ryle, any of these guys. I'm like, and going back to somewhere like that when it's so evident being here has been so fruitful. Yeah. But so anyway, you end up over there. How, what is it? You said six years now? So summer of 2014. So this summer will be my six-year anniversary of living there. And uh, I can just say there's been a different story for all six of those years. Yeah. But this year, what what I've really been thinking a lot about is that beautiful idea of the incarnation, that, mm-hmm. that God came and dwelt among us. Or to yeah. quote Eugene Peterson, he moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. And there's something about the difference between coming and visiting a place, even if you your heart is all there when you're yeah. visiting, and actually coming and living in a place and putting down roots yeah. and getting to know the local barista and yeah. the local th- there's just a difference between those two things. Yeah, yeah. Going to Costa Rica as a mission short term or like my friend Jamie prior episode, going and living there and then seeing you daily. And so Absolutely. I thought it was an awesome move to see that was going on. I know in Brian's heart for this. So so all this is going on. And then you even just shared the other night that suddenly this year, a load of your team went off to other calls or ministries and you were wrestling with like, Lord, what's going on? Huge transitions. Which is a blessing year. to see people sent out. Yeah. But you now have to go, Lord, what's next for me? And I think there's there's a moment, isn't there, similar to what I said earlier, where I would have said, oh, I'm really open-handed. I don't hold any of these things tightly until I started to lose things. And then I realized, yeah. oh, I am not very open-handed and I'm holding on to all of these places of my own security. Yeah, comfort security. Yeah. And I think there's so many places in our lives where in, in a way that is only loving and kind mm-hmm. if we've allowed something to take a greater place in our heart than we ought to mm-hmm. god will often release our hold on that thing or to yeah. use an old testament word when we create idols yeah even in our heart yep. god puts a finger <laughs> on the idols in our hearts and asks us do you love me mm-hmm. more than these but so something you brought up to me that i think is amazing to think of earlier is yeah. that you even said last night at the age you are, you know, mid-30s. 36, we, we can say 36, it. 36. 36 years old. Single. Single. And just thriving and not chasing anything in a world where people are just, especially for people who might not be believers, who yeah. are dating, chasing, trying to get on with their life, perhaps even in and out of bed with people in the secular world. How do you now navigate where you said you're becoming older than people generally who've already got might have kids just speaking of this for me, just yeah. just Mrs. Yardley, let me know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I said I'm really happy to speak about singleness because I think it's sometimes a topic that feels a little bit taboo or a yeah. little bit forgiven, uh, off yeah. limits or forbidden. And uh, I'm 36 years old. Yeah. I am single. I've always been single. Yeah. I've had a couple of near misses on relationships, but none of them worth bringing up on this podcast. <laughs> sorry, you guys. She's sorry, not thinking sorry. about you. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not juicy <laughs> enough. Um, but the reality is that I, I believe there's a real lack of celebrating the joy of singleness and celibacy. Mm-hmm. And those two things aren't always associated both in or outside of the Christian world and faith. And one of the things that's just the no-brainer around this is that if if you're a Christian and you're listening today, our our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was shocker single mm-hmm. his whole life mm-hmm. long. In other words, his time and attention was completely given over to what his father had called him to do. Mm-hmm. And 
I love and champion the marriages and the families of my dear friends. You wouldn't be here if the, the marriage of your parents didn't exist. Exactly yeah. that. And and my We're family. Thankful. Yeah, my family are my best friends. I love family. But I also recognize that at 36 years old, I would not be where I am today, mm-hmm. who I am today, and able to serve and follow Jesus in the way yeah. that I have yeah. if I had small children yeah. and or if I'd experienced that radical call of God in England, but my husband had been back home mm-hmm. and I'd had to call him and say, hey, by the way, I feel like God's calling me to England. Do you feel like mm-hmm. he's calling you to mm-hmm. England? It just would have been a completely different chapter in my story. God probably would have spoke to him as the covering, and it would have been a combined, hey, we're praying, so there's a way, but... And in that hypothetical, I'm not worried about how that would have turned yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. But I just recognize God's given me such freedom in my mm-hmm. singleness, mm-hmm. and that that freedom is genuinely all sincerity in my voice. It's a gift. It is a gift to be a single woman whose life can be wholly dedicated to following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this today and you're single, what I would just say to you is, amen. Hallelujah. Find the joy in that and look for every opportunity to let your life be held open to what God might have for you. And you're not, and just even a minute ago, I hear Sarah saying this. She's like, oh, I get to do this and do this. She's not chasing this lavish lifestyle of I get to go live this life. Also, she's a believer, so she isn't out there running around with men. You've set yourself apart. First Corinthians 7, you view this season of your life as a gift. And we've always joked, and I've had friends, I'm like, oh... You know, have you ever met so-and-so? Like, oh, is he tall? Like, you almost <laughs> joke, like, am I matchmaking? And I'm like, let's go get Sarah a husband, but... It's God's timing. You know what I mean? It's like when God does that, if he does, um, and you're raising calories, so you're probably waiting for him to come back at any moment. You're like, well, whenever you want to. But to the singles, get out the way. Begin to prepare yourself for a spouse, if that be his will. Because it'd be great if you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Brian, now I am engaged. Now I am whatever. That's fine. But what you're saying is profound to tell women, look, there's already something that your heavenly father, that your future spouse, I mean, has for you to do. Just start there. Your serving will make room. It'll show you where you're meant to be. And yeah, so. And, and something I think for both men and women yeah. is just that there's this beauty around genuine kingdom friendships. Yeah, yeah. Where we're able to say that I don't look at every single man and think, ooh, could, could that, that be, be them? him? <laughs> Six feet tall, yeah. potentially. <laughs> uh, you know, th- there's this beauty about saying our relationships for the sake of God's kingdom should not be overly sexualized. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I have some of my best friends yeah. in the world are men. Yeah. And if I looked at every man, yeah. and if every man looked at every woman as yeah. a potential You'd be target, in sin already, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the place. <laughs> and we've mentioned over the course of this podcast, yeah. some incredible men who are some of the best friends of my life. Yeah. And something we may touch on later is that men have been those who have cheerleaded and yeah. opened doors and created opportunities for me. I'm so thankful for the men God's who brought into my life. affirmed you as a woman. And have just said, we see God's calling on your life yeah. and we want to bless and open doors for you. Mm-hmm. If I limited my friendships with men, with the opposite sex, yeah. to just be about my romantic future. I'd be limiting what God wanted mm-hmm. to do. Well, you've got to think even me, I don't even know how many times have we had women on just as women to talk. And I don't say that to have anything against women. I'm like, we can do whatever. This isn't like what's set in a certain standard. But for me to be like, Sarah, you've had this crazy 
decades of ministry, I know it's going to bless women. Yep. That tells you I'm affirming the things God's doing. That's telling you the, the community of men around you are affirming that. And for me, meeting women who feel called to certain positions and whatever, I'm like, the Lord's the one that gifts you. Yep. The Lord's the one that the Holy Spirit's at work in you. However I can set you in places the Lord has, so, I mean, I don't know what my daughter's going to be doing. I don't know what my wife's going to be doing as she gets older and our kids <laughs> are now older, you know? Yep. So... But that's just good to say, you know, um, you should have affirming men. Obviously, men are married to their wives, whatever else like that. You're not even talking like that. You're just saying, just to those who maybe don't believe, you're just saying these brothers, Britt, Pastor Brian, Pastor Tim, your own family have spoken and affirmed this call. So Absolutely. And and I think that one of the interesting things that I, I could speak about is that yeah. um, this last year, I had uh, an experience with seven men in seven days. <laughs> and it reminded me that there's both freedom in our relationship with the men in our lives, yeah. but also that boundaries are really necessary too. Yeah. And uh, lest this sound more scandalous than, than I've already made it sound. I was going to say it sounds like it could have been a bad book or yeah, something. Yeah, it that... it's a horrible book title if so. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a series of just different moments where I was reminded, on the one hand, God's given us freedom. Mm-hmm. These men in my life, I want to treat them like brothers. But also in, in this series of events, um, there was a married man who wanted to spend time together. And I just had this moment of saying, nope, that actually, there is no space for that. There was another man I invited to church. We went on a a walk on the beach and it ended up just going the wrong direction really quickly. And I had to say, I've got to go. Oh no, this is funny. The the reality is, yeah, I could tell seven stories, but we'll we'll cut it off. We don't have that long on the podcast. It just reminded me there's freedom Mm -hmm. and and my, the men who are in my life, God has given them as a gift, Mm -hmm. but also there's honor and respect and boundaries. And it's between those two tensions. that I believe we're called to live in our relationships with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, even when I joke with, you know, my my children, I say, you you treat the older women as your mother and the young women as your sisters. Absolutely. So you want to make out with your mom or your sister, you're like, I'd hope not. And I'm not being legalistic (laughs) here. I'm just saying as a joke, hey, treat all the women with respect, especially if you're someone like Dakota, you know, you're not married yet. So even for your girlfriend, you know, they're... We all know each other, so it's funny almost they're courting and whether yeah. you want to say dating, whatever, there's accountability. But that's between them and the Lord as well. I can't tell 18 or 19-year-olds what to do, you know, so... And, and our culture today has lost, I think, in many senses, the honor and value of marriage yeah. and the honor and value of a relationship that's a lifelong commitment of love. Yeah. And so I want to be the first to say that for anyone who's in my life, I want to celebrate those lifelong commitments mm-hmm. and I want to model it in such a way that says I'm, I've got deep and beautiful friendships with men who are married mm-hmm. and I'll never have friendship with a married man without knowing, honoring and respecting his wife. Amen. Th- and that's those something you've things. set apart that's already set apart in the, in the word of God. Absolutely. And that should encourage people. Maybe even people are getting convicted now, like where am I going? Where am I stepping into? What's next for... So all of that, what's next for you right now? You leave when? Uh, well, I'll, I'll fly to Florida on Saturday, and whatever day this podcast comes out, it'll be the Saturday in January. But in this year ahead, uh, I'm I'm really actually genuinely praying for what God has ahead of me personally. Mm-hmm. I've got six months to finish my theology degree, and I'm writing a dissertation on what it looks like to be a woman in the church who's mm-hmm. released into all that God has, mm-hmm. but who's fully submitted to what the scripture has to say about the role for women. So um, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast for another day. And it's going to be a fun dissertation. I'd love to have you read it if you want yeah, to when it's of done. Of course. 
Um, and also in this year ahead, I've got some incredible open doors and opportunities. Something I'm really passionate about mm -hmm. is resourcing and training the generation who are coming up. I'm still medium young. I mean, yeah. 36, You're medium young. young. I mean, Abraham was 100. You know, I mean, got some... Different, yeah. different era, but yeah, that's true. I, I just, I want to be looking at the people who are 18, 19, 20 and putting and calling out to them, what mm -hmm. are the gifts that I see on your life? Yeah. Because I know I wouldn't be where I am mm -hmm. today. Someone didn't affirm that. If someone your... didn't call that out in me. So one of the things I really feel passionate about right now is how can I be resourcing, training, loving those mm -hmm. who are younger than me in Jesus' name. And uh, I've got a couple of fun plans coming out around that Good. this coming year. Ahead. So maybe a book on singleness, maybe a, a book on helping encourage the generation below. Because for you, it's going to be hanging out in coffee shops, doing mini missions trips, just engaging them where they are and seeing leadership skills and giftings and speaking into that. And Have you thought this? Maybe someone gave a verse. Maybe the Lord's impressing on someone. But here's the practical things that... I think the Lord's doing in you. And we yeah. talked about this before we started this podcast. Like, we have no idea who's going to listen to this. Hi, mm -hmm. whoever's listening to I this. We, we're and so we glad you're here. We might not know until we get to heaven we what God's done. We might not ever know. Yeah. But we're passionate about saying, whatever we do is worth it for one. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes God takes our little one. He takes our broken bread and yeah. loaves and fishes, and he multiplies it in ways that we never would have expected. Mm -hmm. So I think my whole mindset for this year ahead is, it's worth it for one. I'm speaking to one person right now. And of course, God is going to multiply that. I mean, God is going to, he scatters the seed anyway Absolutely. as we go. And we're going to, I mean, we joke, but I mean, Orange County is like the Bible Belt to me. I was at three different churches this morning, just driving through, picking up people, doing stuff. I mean, we're doing a podcast about Jesus. No one's trying to kill us. You know what <laughs> so I mean? True. Whatever's going on. So we are spoiled and blessed, highly favored to be able to continue sharing this. So for you right now, even to women, what, what books would you speak into 15-year-old Sarah mm. or potentially, well, not a 50-year-old Sarah, but where would you even say, here's the things that were very relevant in my life? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big reader. And mm -hmm. Brian, you know that I'm, I'm passionate about saying that these kinds of resources for reading are hugely valuable. Um, I will just commend the Church of the City podcast um, from John Tyson, which mm -hmm. particularly for women, if you're wrestling with what's my calling and how do I walk in it, his messages on um, women and in that controversial Jesus yeah. series, women and gender are both phenomenal. Phenomenal. Hmm. There's this idea that he picks up on um, about the fact that if we don't work together yeah. in unity, then we don't release or restrain the best in either gender. So the idea is if you've got a group of guys who are in a pub and a woman walks in, they sit up a little bit straighter and, and stop mm -hmm. joking in the way they did. Equally, sometimes if a woman... And a group of women are, are <laughs> potentially gossiping oh, no. around a table and a man walks in, they might stop that as well. And there's this beautiful picture. I, I find it beautiful at yeah. least that the best in our genders will both release, release the best ministry, but hmm. also restrain, restrain some of the worst of our character simply by the way that we interact with each other. Yeah. So that's a phenomenal podcast on that series. Would really recommend it. As far as books, I mean, I don't think that book reading is gendered. If you're wondering what it mm -hmm. looks like for a woman to lead well, I love Kathy Keller's book on Jesus and gender. Mm -hmm. I love John Dixon's book, Hearing Her Voice, A Biblical Invitation for Women to Preach. So there are certain books that at least do 
gravitate towards that girl who's like, I've never even thought of this. And then they're going to go get a few here and be motivated. Yeah, yeah. But if you just want to kind of start the new year with something that's going to encourage your soul, I'd recommend Here Now by yeah. Kate Merrick, really yeah. good friend of mine. It's all about practicing presence in the presence of God and Placemaker by Christy Purifoy, which is really about blooming wherever it is you're planted. Mm-hmm. Oh, and The Next Right Thing by Emily Freeman. That's right. I think I sometimes we're distracted weekend. and the next right thing is just about the beauty of listening to Jesus mm-hmm. for what the next right thing is and anything by Ruth Haley Barton. Mm-hmm. And I could keep going, but that's enough for right now. Yeah. And of course we're affirming it's always the word of God. If you don't know right now, obviously, but you do have these champions that come in and speak to you and the verses that spoke to them and the things they unpack and the journeys they went through. So, okay. And then how is, um, just back to England, what date you're heading back? Uh, so I'll fly already? back to England on the 18th of January and uh, get to be part of actually my first night back. We're doing this live debate in a pub with one of my friends uh, who's an atheist and has a podcast. He'll be discussing faith and whether or not you can be a good person without God mm. with my friend Ruth Jackson in my local hometown pub. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, just a fun, a fun space to have a really honest conversation. And people will be drinking while this oh, is going on. Yeah, there will be so copious. Some of the angry, well, atheists or Christians, I guess. Hopefully, they're not, but they could get crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be a really beautiful collision of lots of places mm. in my life, and uh, so that's my first night back, yeah. and then I go back into a week of some. Really significant transitions, actually. So if you're listening mm. to this and you're a person who prays, would love for you yeah. to pray for me. Pray for Sarah, New course. team coming, some team leaving, and wow. just that kind of transition and handover. Uh, and then the year ahead has some some really fun study, preaching, travel, and outreach adventures. Mm. And then 1st through 7th of August, Creation Fest 2020. Yeah, I'm planning on going. And this year I'm just going to say, hey, who needs to go? We can rally a team, <laughs> fly over, bring, I mean... I go over there, we do some marriage stuff, some preaching, uh, some local outreach. It's a beautiful countryside feel. If you've seen Downton Abbey, you know, it looks like the fields and the animals. And, and if the you've rest. seen Pole Dark, that's filmed there. And Doc okay. Martin, a couple of those series are filmed okay. right there in Cornwall. So there, there's a, a gorgeous coastline alongside mm-hmm. some real interesting opportunities to think about how do we creatively speak about life and faith in the 21st century. Life and faith. And then mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to just leave with us? Any thoughts? Or I'm sure you're probably ready for a two-day sleep. But, you know. <laughs> Brian, I am actually probably going to take a nap, yeah. nap after well, this now podcast. now we're going to crash, I yes, know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I think I'll just close yeah. with saying there's so much of my life and my story where I thought I needed to work hard for God to love me. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast, whether you know Jesus or you don't, mm-hmm. I would just say this. There is nothing that you will ever do that will change the shape of God's love towards you. Yeah. Like, may you just rest in knowing you are loved. Mm-hmm. And one of the most beautiful truths that's really defined my life and that's defined Brian's as well mm-hmm. is that uh, there, there is this foolishness of the gospel mm-hmm which says there's an upside down kingdom. There's nothing we could have ever done to earn it. But sometimes we look back at these strands of our lives. And and I know for me, I could just see these strands of grace. Mm -hmm. I can see God's kindness and his love and his favor. And I just pray that as you hear this right now, you just hear the sunshine of God's presence over you. Mm -hmm. And you hear this, this beautiful reality of the fact that God loves you. Mm. 
He's created you for a purpose and his calling is on your life. And so uh, my prayer is that whether you're listening to this and you know him, that you'd know him and love him more. Mm. Or if you're listening to this and you've just been intrigued by thinking about what it would mean to follow Jesus Christ, um, that you might just even now today Mm -hmm. say, God, I want to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to know this kind of love. Mm-hmm. I lay down whatever would keep me from knowing this kind of love, mm-hmm. and I receive your love in my life. Amen. And guys, I mean, listening to Sarah, that, that's evangelism. You know, um, as beautiful as this day is, we're all hanging out in this room. We've got pugs running around. My wife's texting me, hey, I just fed the kids and the ins and outs of the day. Yeah. There's beauty, but there's pain and there's hurt. And what separates us is that we're fallen. You know, the evidence that... Both Sarah and myself, Isaac, we're going to pass is because we live in this fallen, sinful world. And what God did is he looked in on us and said, hey, Mm. this has fallen apart and I knew it was going to fall apart. So what did I do? I prepared in advance that my son Jesus would live this life. Brian, Sarah, Isaac never could. You never could. That one lie, lustful thought, even getting mad that we're talking about God. And we can go into that, but you know, you already know this. Yeah. Um, there is no one who's good. We could just end the debate right here, but you got to go and pack that in that pub. But what God did was he basically took you off that cross and put Jesus on, mm-hmm. and then he attached your sins to him. And the Bible says of Jesus that for the joy set before him, he went to that cross. He looked at Sarah as a child and held her hand, and he went on that cross, and he died in her place, and he did it for me. And I came to faith in 2004. Isaac came to faith. Sarah was born into it, but there was a moment when God woke you up yeah and that's this call to say god i know i'm not good but you're perfect i know i've been born in sin i need forgiveness i know i've been living this way but there's this call to what's known as repentance that means i'm going to about turn yeah and as we begin to live this i love what sarah said we're not saved and redeemed and set apart all those churchy words but their bible because we add anything to it, he does it all because he loves us. And Amen. so you can cry out to him if he is dealing with you, if there's tears, if there's not. Just know we are going to see him one day, and we hope you'll get to know him this side of eternity. That's escaping what's to come because God is good and faithful. So, guys, this is Brian. Sarah, how do people get a hold of you? Because I don't doubt many women are going to hit you up. Yeah, Instagram at Sarah Yardley, Twitter at Yardley Sarah, Facebook at Sarah Yardley. Probably social media is the easiest. But if you want to find out more about the festival, Mm -hmm. creationfest.org.uk. And uh, Brian, it's just been a real joy to just have a a friend conversation. But also, if if you've heard that message and you've you've responded to that invitation that Brian and I have just given, we'd Mm -hmm. love especially to hear from you about that because... Mm -hmm. The joy of our lives is to introduce people to our best friend, Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, and, and because you're speaking to English people, and maybe even Australia, America, Sarah with an, spell it out for them. S-A-R-A-H-Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y. Yeah. <laughs> so Thank it is you, very Brian. English, Yardley. <laughs> like, like the soap, yeah, like the soap right. that no one uses anymore. That's right. I know, right? So... Guys, um, I've been encouraged. I knew this would bless you. We're thankful you're tuning in. But again, please share these. Get them out. Um, There's, you know, younger versions of us, older versions of us who don't know the Lord. And we believe these messages will encourage you all. Because the Bible says, we stand on those promises, that the message of the cross is foolishness Mm. to those that are perishing. Those who don't know have not yet heard but to us who are being saved, to those who will hear a creation fest, to those who will be encountering Jesus today, to those who heard now, it's the power of God. So 
Thank you again as we've ended the year for those who partner with me, help me. Go to briansumner.net. Go to briansumner.net slash support if you want to help. And this is all available because people believe the call of God on my life. So hit up Sarah. Let me know. I'll tag Isaac below in the things I post. God bless you guys. And Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Amen. Amen. Bye, guys. Story Podcast. Yeah,